Hey, this is Chad Stewart from the band Faster Pussycat and creator of Devil's Crown Bloody Mary Mix. Are you sick of the same old generic wake up, break up, headache cure? Tomato juice, ice, fake flavors from a jar? Well, I've created a mix, tried and true, tested from countless years on the road. When you decide only the best Bloody Mary Mix will do, go to devilscrownmix.com. Flavorful, spicy, all the things you need to get your head straight. You'll think it came from the devil himself. And as a special full-on podcast offer, I'm giving you 20% off your entire purchase by typing in full-on at checkout at devilscrownmix.com. Cheers. Wait, turn me down, dude. My headphones <laughs> fucking blaring. Dang. Damien's right, like, that's way perfect. cooler you. if you take drugs. And yeah. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, dude. Well, look at you. Look at <laughs> Starting off Having with great a good energy. Time, smiling. I'm not on drugs. I do not eat drugs. I do not condone <laughs> eating drugs. <clears throat> Keelan, how is your apartment? Keelan's apartment caught on fire. Yep. It's a disaster right now. Mm, I feel Please so bad. Please send donations. Uh, it's okay. Because. Yeah. I am okay, and my stuff is going to survive. Maybe a little damage. All my coffee table books um, are a little warped. Did you try to throw rice on them? Yeah, That's what I was like, did you I put your apartment earlier. in rice? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was trying to uh, be healthy, and I bought a Peloton bike only two weeks ago, but oh, God shit. said no. Wait, so it, I will not it dropped down there? Is it damaged? All the water fell on the Peloton bike, and it's oh. like a computer. At so least can your you neighbors send it didn't back? buy one because then that would have been. Thank God for insurance. <laughs> My mattress got it the worst. It's but then wet. it rained. <laughs> then it rained. <laughs> yeah, no. I stepped on your line. I'm sorry, but that was, <laughs> that was that, We were on the same page. But whoa, 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 whoa. Get back to the Peloton. So can you send it back and get your money back or Why? fix it? Why? It's not it? their fault. That's what insurance is for. Okay. USAA is the best. Have someone in USAA. your family join the military just so you can get USAA coverage. Yeah, seriously. Hmm. That's I found good, out that's a good trade. Thanks, Grandpa. I found out today, not today. I found out yesterday. Today is my my father's birthday. Happy who's, birthday! Who's no longer yeah. with us? And he's Happy birthday! The greatest hero of my life. I found out the other day that he actually was in the Air Force. He never even talked about it. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. He saying, served our country and didn't even talk about no, it. No, never talked you about it. Be Loved our country. To be in the Air Force for sure. Well, I appreciate. Well, I don't know service. if he was in the Thunderbirds, Ike, but well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the Tuskegee. He he had this Superman curl, though. There's no no doubt about it. There you go. So interesting. Um, I'm moving. I'm getting out of L.A. You blew it well, when <laughs> you had your chance. Yeah, when chance. you found out where Van Halen grew up, you're like, I'm moving to. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Pasadena. <laughs> um, the new but side. while I've been packing, I found an old dusty uh, case. That has all the shit from my last office at Interscope or Geffen. I think it was Geffen when I moved from Geffen. So and like, it really is dusty. Yeah, if I any, took it out of your car. I was like, is this the one? <laughs> if anyone's ever been in any of my offices, you know they always end up with a, you know, tchotchkes around and, and a lot of. Um, I've got a lot. I was going to cool say shit. you could go anywhere with that. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there's just a lot of collectibles or things that we've collected. You know, we have some memorabilia from some bands on here. Anyway. So we're going to see a kiss pillow. Yes, I did. 
So we're about to see what's in this box. I have not opened it. I feel like Geraldo Rivera at El Capone's vault because there's probably <laughs> nothing in there exactly. but expense reports. <laughs> Does that, it was it's an unboxing, expense expense unboxing reports, where right? no one could see yeah. yes. what we're unboxing. So yes. you have to describe it. Can you turn on the camera. light real quick? Yeah. Boom. Boom. I found Boom. Tim's wig. <laughs> hey, nice. He's Come on I'm going to murder you. Oh, it's a Paul Stanley Halloween mask. Woo. Dang, dude. Who's the lucky winner of that one? Well, that's mine. That's Oscar Goldman. Jim Donatio, if you're listening, you know what that is. I'm sorry. I already jumped in. Yeah. Wearing a Van Halen Halen pin. Nice. Nice. (laughs) It's Oscar Goldman. No one knows who this is. And I, this is, can you imagine this is an action figure in the 70s? (laughs) That's awesome. That's how action used to look in the 70s. Oh, Oh, nice. Absolute vodka. That's some of my early handiwork. Same shit we do today. Drain. There you go. Drain STH. Oh, I love you guys. Girls. Fuck, look at Oscar Goldman. <laughs> you gotta have him standing up. Right? Strutting. Joey Ramone. Oh, Ooh, I want, my I want, God. Dude, I will. Dude. Unless you. He looks, the, he looks, this Joey Ramone doll looks like that dude from LA Guns that wants to fight me. What did she was Johnny shark, Martin. Shark attack Hi, Joey. Shout out. Leg. <laughs> yeah. There's probably a leg in there too. Just pull that mask out. It's in the way. Oh, yeah. Paul like Stanley rap. could There's use a... that wig. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the wig he's using now. What's oh, in. Dude. Whoa. There's a Gene Simmons in there. That's what he's messing with Paul Stanley's wig. Yeah, he always does. <laughs> Licking it. You should pull your microphone down by you, Keelan. This is. This looks, is that like the destroyer outfit? Scintillating <laughs> podcasting right now. Yeah. Well, it's like everyone's waiting. It's, like, what's it's the next thing? He's in the yeah. outfit. Wow, that's a great figure. That is really cool, man. Dude, those You don't like Gene? We'll keep Gene here. You can take it whenever you want. I bet when Ian comes to town to when we're recording, he's going to be like, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Right, Ian? Right, Ian? Right. Answer us. <laughs> right? I like if we're quiet and you can just hear Keelan untangling it. Wow. I know how, yeah. <laughs> dude, that's awesome. That's Sick. legit as hell, dude. Yeah. He's really going to, cool. we can put this on the desk and then he's going to sue us because we're using <laughs> yeah. his image. Yeah. Right. Fuck this guy. Come for you. <laughs> Such okay. a talented guy. You're like not. Wait, fixing. is there a different one? <laughs> There's another Gene oh. Simmons. We have the 75 and the 1980 Gene Simmons. Look at that axe. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Literally an axe. He looks like He's dressed like a lumberjack. <laughs> looks like oh, what? Spawn. Like Todd McFarlane yeah, action Todd figures. McFarlane, oh. yeah. Jackson Brown. I know, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you looked at me and you went, huh? Because you... The two, <laughs> the two quads. <laughs> give me a drug, give me a drug. The two hutes. <laughs> the two hutes. Oh, man, I love that guy. Th- this is going slow. No, this is awesome. Yeah. If only this, everyone this could see what here, we're looking dude. at. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. You can't see shit. I know. You got to describe it to the people. Okay, there's there's been a we got a spawn action oh, figure. Yeah. Todd McFarlane's dude. Style. We we should make a on. serial killer movie with that. Oh my god, <laughs> for real, dude. That's what he looks like now. Paul Stanley, <laughs> you done got ugly. Right. Like they did with the Shatner mask. Yeah. For Halloween. Literally Shatner. <laughs> they Shatner her mask. <laughs> the Shatner mask. Oh, did you all eat drugs? Ooh, dude, that's What's a that? badass full on shirt. Is that that's a shirt, right? I'll take it. Dude, yeah. Oh. Is that cool? Oh, we don't want to talk about those, right, Dale? Uh-oh. Dale, answer. Oh, those are cool. That's cool. I like that. I can have Vintage it. Halloween yeah. masks. Fuck. It's all. I'm looking at 
That's probably vintage full on t-shirt. That's a Keelan right with there. With an American flag in the skull. It's freaking badass. What's that? Whoa, Keelan, you gotta Ooh. put that in your house, dude. Dude. Hey, it's nice. got their boots. Yeah. <laughs> Snow globe kiss style. That's pretty cool. Is it like a microphone on 97 the vintage? Like the... Gee, isn't that crazy that 97's vintage? That is vintage. I don't want any of this on my desk. That's why I'm trying to give it to you guys. We got to take it out. I said, you guys can take it all. And then they just put it on my desk in this recording studio, downtown LA. Oh, Colonel Sanders is staying there. Colonel Sanders, dude. Yeah. (laughs) The coin bank. Coin bank edition. Save up for your fried chicken. (laughs) We have two minutes. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. There would have been a Bon Scott on top. Those are all the people who died. 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 Is that the, (laughs) yeah. That's awesome. What happened to Bon Scott? He's probably in there, dude. So and he, uh, and no, he choked mean, on his own vomit. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no, what happened to him? Did he die? I'm just kidding. This is one of the greatest American bands. Oh. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. Ooh, Whoa. Keelan, put and it on. Captains in the wig here. Ooh. Oh, nice. You like Kiss, dude? Yeah. People give, What's in his head? Captain America swinging oh, from the yeah. wig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Captain America in there. Oh. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, there's more than Captain America. Who's I think that was another that, it's a sex item. That's from Japan. It's a Colonel Sanders. Oh, here's Joey's legs in there. Is the bottom of the stand? Oh, dude, Ooh. Batmobile. That's that's, that's, that's awesome. mine from you know when. Sixty six. Yeah. Not that old. Yeah. <laughs> I just all I want Oscar Goldman. Six six six. Oh yeah, that's was going that on the door. Number? That was the office. <laughs> nice. There was, I actually, oh, nice. ooh, that's I, awesome. I stole it that's from so somewhere. There was an office, and then there it was nine nine nine. It was no six six six, and I took it. Wow, there you go. That's awesome. Confiscated. Ooh, oh, they the still door. work. Whoa. That is vintage. Whoa, dude, lick the light bulb. Keelan's been that the rock. The ACDC horns glowing in the dark. What else is in there? Is oh, that, that's all my shit. Oh, that's, I thought that was a script. No, no. Your, your, your screenplay. That, yeah. that was the hustle back in the day. Colonel Sanders. Colonel, dude. Fuck, I loved that guy then. What happened? Oh, yeah, oh. put Colonel Sanders' head on. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's dude. it. Make, hey, we got to watch the... I think our guest is going to call Describe him. what you're looking at, Keelan. You got Frankenstein's monster in is there. That is that Ghost is that Rider? Superman in there? Yeah, Ghost Rider, Captain. Let me see that. Let me Who's see that, that one. Little, little Jesus. Dude, oh, that's an ancient Chinese secret. That is amazing. That's Elvis Jesus. Elvis <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, right. Redundant. Yeah. Redundant. <laughs> you see that? That's Elvis squared. You should take that. Is that a, that's very old. Is that a, like, a little take... sock puppet or hand puppet? Oh, my God. That's awesome, that's amazing, dude. dude. That's very old as Woo. well. Yeah. What year is that from? 95. 95. That's not very old. That's old to you guys. No, no, no. We're older. Slightly. I think this is a little bit older. Maybe not. Oh. A coaster? Yeah, but it's a record. Mm-hmm. Angel, oh. hell of a band. Hell of a band. Yeah, this is newer. That's awesome. I'll take it up you. I don't want any of this shit, dude. Okay, I want this. <laughs> it's going to be uh, Baby D's first. Frankenstein. He's gonna hit you in the fucking head with it. Too. Well, yeah. he does that already? Is that all that's in there? Yep. Right. I'll take awesome. the cheap trick poster. <laughs> yeah. That was not in there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nice. Oh, 
Here comes. Here, you go. Here comes. Great timing. Yeah, right on. Are you claiming these? No. No? Is it okay if I take them? Yeah. <clears throat> Hello? Ken. Yeah. yeah, hi. How you doing? How you doing, Ken? Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Are, are you here in L.A. or? Yeah, I'm here in L.A. Okay. Come on over. Yeah. So actually, you, <laughs> yeah. And, you, you and I had met before. We both had the privilege of watching Cheap Trick play in a, a dog park in P- Pan Pacific Park. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have a photo of one of my dogs that was pulled up on stage, actually. But, but he was too scared by the sound that he was pulled up on the first song by Robin, actually. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, I, I remember that day because you and I were talking about how that, the original auditorium there was used by the babies in that video. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge Babies fan, and Elvis, it was Pan Pacific Park, mm-hmm. um, and actually Elvis, I'm a big Elvis fan, played there in 1957, a really um, pivotal show as well. But yeah, the Babies filmed two videos Yeah, they there, did. I think. Oh, I love the she, Babies. My girl in Sweet 17, yeah. Yeah, they did, and they did a great photo shoot in that bathroom. I, have a, I used to have a, like a bootleg poster of it, but... Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Tell us a little bit about yourself first before we talk about your album. Uh, well, you know, I'm from, from the East Coast. I'm from a suburb of Philadelphia. <clears throat> and uh, I've, uh, I've been a musician for, God, since I was 12 or 13 and started writing songs back at that point and went to college. And out of college, I worked for a company that did syndicated radio, so I started doing a lot of interviews with you know, musicians and things like that. And I've always been a pretty curious person, always someone who normally asked a lot of questions anyhow. Yeah. And uh, through, through the course, you know, of working there and uh, doing that, you know, I, I became better at my craft. And um, eventually I, I, I was able to do some books. Uh, I think I've done 20 books now, 20 music books. Um, uh, and um, throughout, I've kept up my greatest passion, which is, writing songs and recording and putting out records. I wish I was more successful so I could do it even more, but, um, but uh, I feel blessed to be immersed with music 24-7, you know, in some yeah. way, whether I'm writing about it for or doing an interview or working on a book project or writing music and recording music. Yeah, so, so growing up, you, were you in bands growing up or...? Did you just kind of... Yeah, I was in, you know, a bunch of, you know, garage bands and things, you know, no no band that did anything of any note. The first time I went in the studio was pretty momentous. That was 1982. And in fact, the two kind of embarrassing demos now to hear on that album came out on my first album. I got a deal with my first album with a label in Japan, actually, back in 1995. Ironically, the money I made from that was the most money I got paid for a record deal. I got it was with another record label after that, and that was demonstrably less. And then I, from now on, I've been putting out records myself. So obviously, you know what <laughs> what that's like. Um, but uh, but yeah, those two demos—they're uh, called "The Kind of Girls" and "So Sincere." Are on as our bonus tracks on that first album called 1301 Highland Avenue, which I actually put out last year for the 25th anniversary, where I was able to go in and finish off a lot of songs that I felt were missing parts. Some songs didn't have drums, and 
you know, hearing it with much more experience and hopefully getting better, I was able to add instrumentation. And it's, it, you know, the record is, is now a lot better. I'm really proud of it. But yeah, I, I just remember being in the studio and the first time I heard my voice with headphones on, I mean, it was just an amazing feeling, you know, singing into a mic and it was an amazing experience. So yeah, so music, you know, 24-7 music. I, I lived uh, on the East Coast. Uh, until 2001 and moved out to L.A. in September of 2000. Okay. Um, it, it's funny that you mentioned 1301 Highland because that record for me, that, that there's a song on there, Tonight, All I Want. All I Wanted oh, was... Oh, yeah. Have, was, you heard, have you heard the new... Have you heard the... the, the I have. Amazing. The revised version? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a lot better now. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so good, though, man. Like, that song... Like, oh, good. You, the way you write songs, to me, it... it and don't take this the wrong way, but it really shows how much of a fan you are of music because it comes through you, and and that's what no, I think. No, that's a great compliment. Thank you. That's yeah, a great I th- compliment. I think You're that, right. I, I love music. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so special. Like, your your vocal approach, sometimes, you know, especially on the new album, there's a lot of it, like people would say, like a Lennon approach, or you, you do some phrase, like Mickey Dolan's-type phrasing, which I love. But, but <laughs> that's cool. It all comes to me like when I hear it, the best way to describe it like is listening to the small faces. Here come the nights. That's the approach. Your well, voice. I mean, you're mentioning a group that you know I worship. You know, they're one of my favorite groups, the Small Faces. So as they should my be. God, you know, yeah, you know, here comes the nights. You know, it's interesting because it does kind of have a little bit of a baroque pop type of feel. And the new record, if you wanted me to talk just briefly about the new record, oh, I we'll can. get there. Yeah, um, I would love to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, do you want me to jump into it? Or you yeah, of course. No. We'll, we'll, well just, you know, we'll just have a conversation. What, yeah, what's interesting about this record is um, it wasn't anything I was planning. You know, I have a friend who designed some of my books and my CDs. His name is John Sellers. He's a great guy, a great designer. You mentioned some different people. He's just finishing designing a, a, the Ultimate Monkeys book by a guy named Andrew Sandoval. He, uh, he, uh, co-designed, you know, uh, co-designed a book I did on The Wrecking Crew, and then he he designs all the books I do on Power Pop and David Bowie and just various different things. He's really talented, and he's done designs for artists from the Kinks to the Monkees to uh, Jimi Hendrix and various different people. So he's always, I, I've occasionally sent him these little short little songs that I do kind of outliers in terms of the stuff I normally release, and he always goes crazy about it. And then I recently sent him something else, because I I wrote a bunch of these songs during the pandemic, and I was going to just spread them out on some future albums, you know, put a few on each album. And he was after me. He said, you know, this stuff is really cool. Would you ever consider doing that on an album? And it got me thinking, and I, I went and counted all the songs I had written that fit that. Mm-hmm. Although there's a few that will be on the other albums that are, that could have fit this too, but, and it was 20 and I was like, well, that's not enough. It's, you know, a little over 20 minutes, but I kind of got into the idea. And then I, I was searching out some artwork and was kind of getting into the vibe. And then I kind of went on a songwriting pair and wrote about, wrote and recorded 12 of them in about a two week period. And then I had a 32-song album, which is only 40 minutes, but, you know, it does sound 32 songs sounds like it's an endless listening experience, well, but it's not. And I listened to it from start to finish, you know, and I was like, you know what, this is kind of a little magical album. You know, a lot of artists 
you know, step outside of the box. And, you know, it's about time I step out of the side of the box a little bit. But, again, it's not that far of a jump. I mean, everything's always really melodic because that's what I love. And, you know, this is, you know, these are just a bit more intimate songs and, um, you know, a bit more of a Baroque pop approach. And, and I, you know, it's pretty much almost a 90, 100% DIY thing where I pretty much did everything except uh, a couple songs. Uh, the guy I work with, an incredibly talented producer, artist, songwriter, Fernando Perdomo, um, he plays uh, bass on a song and drums on two other songs. And, um, uh, uh, I think Conga's on one, and then a really talented artist, Caitlin Wolfberg, plays violin and viola on two songs. But otherwise, it's just me. So it's 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 as solo as I can really get, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I just hope people will be really, uh, you know, will be open to it, you know, because it it's definitely different. But it's still, I still <laughs> think it sounds like me. It has my personality, and um, I'm really proud of it. And I, I've recorded a ton of songs during the pandemic. You know, I thank the Lord I've been really inspired and, and the muse has been working overall. And so I have a, I have a, almost two or three finished records that will follow that are more electric records. Okay. So if people like me, they're going to be excited. If they, they don't like my music as much, they're not going to want to hear as much of it. But yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff coming. Well, I, I think, and for me, the new album Miniatures, the album's called Miniatures, and it's a it's a collection, like you said, of songs that are all, there's not one that's at two minutes, right? So it's like, I know Blue, Red, and Gray right. off of Who's Next, or not Who's Next, uh, Who by Numbers is like one of those little things. It's a, a little bit over, yeah. over two minutes, but these songs remind me of that. You know what I mean? They just get to the point. Some of them have more instrument instrumentation like follow to me again that has like a who phrasing to it there's almost a little and whistle on, on that song that you did um yeah maybe it's the bass i'm playing on yeah it's something. just the, i love that one i add that, that one i was thinking about today i may i may do a little i may do some kind of you know cheap little music videos i won't be in any of them but but because they're really short i did a video for one of my favorite songs on the album called Susanna. Yes. Susanna Silently Shining. And so there's a video out. People can find that on YouTube. And it's a 52, I think it's a 52 second song. Follow is less than a minute too as well. Yeah, that one I really like. I mean, I normally, most of my albums I play bass, but when I work with Fernando, I mean, he is a monster on the bass. That mm -hmm. it's just, you know, could I play bass on every song? Yeah, I could. And I, I, I take the time and I really try to come up with parts and things like that. But Normally, I don't play bass on too much stuff anymore, but on this record, I didn't put bass on everything. But there were a few songs I felt it would be cool to have bass, so I have a Hofner Beetle bass, and um, I love to Obviously. play the bass. And Yeah, and if I can kind of come up with some cool, you know, McCartney's my ultimate hero, and I love Entwistle and so many other people, but if I can come up with something kind of cool, but yeah, I guess that has a little, that has kind of some who-ish movement. It does. In just, terms just of a, bass playing on that Like, one. just like, just a little tapping or just a little top layer of who, you know what I mean? There's, there's also, an, I don't even know what you're playing. There's another instrument on there that sounds like, or just the phrasing would sound like something Townsend would do. So, I well, mean, but, I mean, that's my ultimate, that's my ultimate hero. In fact, I got to interview him recently about a week ago. Whoa, really? We really had a great conversation about the Who sellout box set. And I told him I was a songwriter and I asked a lot of songwriting questions and, and actually talked about kind of the Baroque quality of 
songs on the Who Sell Up. So we really, we really hit it off in a great way. And God, what a thrill to, um, to have spoken to. I mean, you know, if you want to ask my ultimate heroes, I mean, you're not asking, but I can tell you, you know, it's Elvis, <laughs> the, the Beatles, and the Who, you know, yeah. and that's like it. And then followed by so many other people, you know, followed by Stevie Wonder and the Beach Boys and Small Faces and Todd Rundgren and um, uh, Four Seasons and Hall and & Oates and obviously Kiss and the Babies and Rick Springfield. I mean, I could go... I could go on Buddy Holly. I could go on forever. Philly Soul. Um, well, on uh, Kiss, but, um, you you wrote nothing to lose. I didn't know if we wanted to jump into that, but w- when you brought up Kiss right now, that just reminded me that was one of the mm-hmm. best Kiss books that I've ever seen come out. And I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Sure, if you like to. What what, what would you like to know? Yeah, Keelan. <laughs> so I we know, just put him on the spot. Yeah. I really, no, no, no. I mean, what was your process in that book? Like, what did you want to do differently? Because there's so many stories about them. I know you, I think you focus on more of their certain era in the 70s and not, uh, you, didn't, you didn't branch out too much into their 80s or anything after that. But um, how did yeah, that I go mean, for you? I, I, I'm really proud of that book. I'm really, really proud of that book. I worked so hard on that. I think it's one of my best, definitely one of my best books. Um, and it was a book where I've, I've always been fascinated with a band's beginning. You know, the Beatles, you know, in Hamburg and in Liverpool, before they made it, is really interesting. Elvis, when he was playing, you know, juke joints and things like that, and, um, you know, was, was with Sun Records where he was just kind of gaining a following or things like that. So I've always found that to be fascinating. And with Kiss, I thought, wow, this would be a really, you know, what... What hasn't been done with Kiss? And, and I thought it would be really great to shine the spotlight on the beginning and to the point where they break with the Alive album. So I kind of went into it, you know, I'd interviewed the guys, you know, obviously through the years, and I'd always been interested in interviewing as many people as I wanted. And you, you kind of almost have to be a detective, you know, when you're dealing with something that doesn't have a blueprint. You know, a lot of that stuff really, especially the pre-Kiss, days or the Wicked Lester days or mm-hmm. the days when Kiss wasn't signed. There's not a giant blueprint out there that you can follow. So you're kind of creating it as you go. But I kind of wanted to, to do it where I love doing oral histories. That's the type of thing I kind of feel that I have a good handle on. And um, I did it in a way where I wanted it to be almost like a documentary on paper, you know, where it's a lot of different voices, you know, meaning different people that are part of the scene and really, you know, if, if I can take you back there, because mm-hmm. a lot of it is wanting me to be there too, you know, it's kind of like living vicariously years later through the memories of people and trying to craft it as well as I can by keeping myself out of it and my opinions yeah. and trying to create a really comprehensive portrait. But yeah, I mean, there have been, there's been a lot of great kiss books out that I haven't been involved with, but I'm really proud of that one because I really feel it's a, I really feel it's a, it's it's a valuable addition to the Kiss book. Yes, yours got the most attention I've ever seen on any Kiss book. I mean, it was all over the place when it came out. What was it? 2014, when that um, book came out. It might have been, yeah, around that, that time. Been. Yeah, I remember was, everyone was, talking about it. Yeah, so that it was, was a good cool sign. to go to the book. It was cool to, cool to go to the book signings, you know, um, and see kind of the craziness. Gene and Paul, I. I I flew out to the East Coast and went to 
a book signing in New Jersey and then a book signing in New York, um, Staten Island. And it was just cool to be there and just to be part of it. And then there was, there was a big one in LA at Barnes and Noble, uh, the Grove. And that was a really, really cool thing to, uh, to witness, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, I'm not a giant fan of being in the spotlight with things, <laughs> you know what I mean? And thankfully, Gene and Paul were the ones that people came to see, but it was great to be, you know, a part of that. that that's got to take some kind of work getting Gene and Paul to come out for your book signing. <laughs> well, I'm not going to take the credit. It's probably through the, 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 you know, the book company and things like that. And, hey, they were very supportive. They wanted to get the book, you know, as much exposure as possible. And, you know, thanks to them and the KISS fans, that was the f- first and only book of mine that was the New York Times bestseller so oh, congratulations yeah, you know that's awesome yeah i think it was number eight or i think it was number seven eight or nine but but we made the top 10 so you know if if i'm a one hit wonder in the book world take I it i still have a top 10 yeah so i'll take exactly. it i'll take it yeah ken, ken did you send gene or paul that the covers you did last month of hold me touch me and mr make believe yeah i did i did I did. I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I, th- I think they listened to them. Um, you know, did, Paul's been doing. I interviewed Paul for the Soul Station project, which I actually really like a lot. Yeah, I'm into that music. Yeah, and I'm fr- from Philadelphia too, so I especially love it. But yeah, I did. They. Yeah, I, I sent. I think a while back, I sent it to Gene and um, and uh, the Hold Me, Touch Me. I, I sent to Paul after I did the interview, and he thought it was a cool idea that I did that. It, it's like so a TV theme song. About, I can talk briefly about that one too, if you want. Um, yeah, I'll talk about it. I would so talk I to you cut, for hours. Um, I cut Mister Make Believe for my. Re- it's going to be. It'll be. All, these songs will be on my album. So yeah. I don't want to just have them out of singles because there's a lot of people that probably don't even know I released it and and would and missed it. You know, especially yeah. if you're not in the Kiss world. You know what I mean? Or, or, <clears> you I, know, it, there wasn't much mention of it. I but, think um, I think Gene's solo album is a masterpiece. I mean. The songs where he it, it, the songs where he tries to be kissed I don't like, but it's the Mister Make Believes and all of that other stuff. I think is it's just well, a beautiful. That's why album. I wanted to do that one because I get a lot of feedback from people that are friends of mine or you're dealing with on the internet that come down on me about Kiss and they're like, "Man, you have good taste. With you love the ra- I love the Raspberries. <clears throat> obviously, that's oh, yeah. another top fan of mine. You know, you worship groups like the, you love the Beatles and you love Elvis. How could you like Kiss? And you know." I always kind of have to explain myself, you know, but um, to, to, to let them know that they're a great band with great songwriting. And I, I wanted to spotlight a, a Gene song I always loved and try to make it even more Beatles-esque. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, a, like, I don't know, a month and a half ago, I was walking in the park and I was just, for some reason, I was singing Hold Me, Touch Me um, in my head. And that's my favorite of the, of the solo albums. That might be my favorite Kiss record of all time. It's, it's the best Kiss studio album of all time, no question. Yeah. It, to me, it is Paul's, it, and um, and I and I started singing the song and, and said, "Oh, man, you know what? This might be a cool one to do if I can come up with a way to do it that's different." Because I love that song and the guitar solo on that song, which is by Paul, mm-hmm. is so masterful, so emotional. It shows, you know, you don't have to play like Ingve Malmsteen. <laughs> I'm not a fan of. You don't have to play a mile minute to really connect with someone. And that guitar solo is perfect. So I, so I kind of challenged myself to come up with a, to reinvent the song. And I said, let me see if I can reinvent this. Like it's a raspberry song, a power pop song, 
And I was able to come up with some cool things and I cut it real quick at home. The momentum was, you know, sometimes when you're in that zone as the, as the ideas are coming and I, I didn't want to play the solo. Um, there's no way I wanted to play that solo. I mean, that solo is magic. So I was able to come up with my own thing, which is cool. And then I sent it off to Fernando Perdomo, the guy I work with all the time. And he added a uh, drums and bass to it. Um, and uh, we put it together, and it turned out really cool. And then I said, you know what? This might be a cool one-off single for me to pay tribute to, to a band I love and, and two guys that I, that, that I love as artists and songwriters. So, yeah, I'm really proud of it. I mean, I'm not sure that many people know it exists, but, um, but uh, well, I, I, think, I think both songs turned out great. I, I do, too. And I think, you know, Mr. Make Believe, and then I saw that you put up a YouTube version where you play it pretty much standard, and that, that to me is a very monkey-eyes version of it. I think it's great. I mean, it's... I know everyone likes it. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, initially, initially, I, I've only done one or two Facebook Live shows, and a friend of mine named Jamie Downs, who I would meet on the Kiss Cruises, he lives down south, I told him, hey, tune in, and he's like, man, you should do Man of a Thousand Faces. I was like, well, I'm not going to do that one, but, but that had me thinking, you know what, what can I do from Gene's album that I really love? No, not that I don't like Man of a Thousand Faces, yeah. but I'm playing acoustic. And I said, yes, Mr. Make-Believe. So I, I relearned Mr. Make-Believe and did it. And then I, you know, I thought, why don't I cut this? And I, I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to, you know, be pretty faithful, but I wanted to add more to it in terms of a beatle thing, add some more harmonies and add some, you know, a lot of interlocking vocals and things like that. And, um, you know, kind of put, kind of put my own pop spin on it, which is what I did. But yeah. I really like both of them, but you know, I'm gonna like it because I'm the guy who did them. But but I've gotten good feedback from um, I've gotten good feedback from people. I mean, I got weird feedback from people where it was kind of like I never really liked some of these songs before, but I like your versions. But you know, I mean, for me, the definitive versions of these are the ones by Paul and Gene. I worship those. Yeah, and it's funny because like you know, we talked about earlier. You write from a fan, like you did the song Utopia. You being from Philly, obviously. Um, oh yeah, but it's done with with such you know, like admiration for what you're writing about. You you know what I mean? You you're not like making fun of it. Like you're showing a true love for it. And I've no, always... I mean that song is I worship Todd Rundgren in the band Utopia, and I challenged myself because I don't really write prog rock, stuff, yeah. you know, or, or or prog pop, I should say, because um the 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 version of Utopia I like is the latter day version. That's a you know much more popular version, but. But um, uh, I, I kind of challenged myself to uh, to do do that song, and I, you know, name checked the band and, mm-hmm. and Willie Wilcox in it, and I was able to give Todd. Uh, I hadn't heard, but I gave him a, a copy of the song. I, I worked on the, um, I put together the tour book uh, for the Utopia reunion tour. Oh, I great. put together a really really cool tour book that, ironically, John Sellers, the guy I referenced earlier, who is the miniatures album he's the reason i did the miniatures album he designed that tour book it's really cool it's probably one of the best i worked on some tour books for bad company and brian wilson and i'm really proud of those but this is probably the best one um it's a 60 page tour book with interviews and things like that but but anyhow when i was backstage uh, i went to utopia uh drove with my friend uh rob to uh 
uh, Las Vegas to see the show. And actually, Julian Gill, a good friend of mine from Kiss FAQ, um, met us there, and we all went together. We roomed together. We, we hung out for that whole period and had such a great time. But after the show, um, they came for me and said, you know, Todd wanted to see me, which was, which was really nice, um, and wanted to thank me for the tour book. And that's when I um, was able to uh, give his wife, actually, the uh, a CD of the song Utopia. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you are you a guy that prefers Utopia over 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 the solo Todd Rundgren stuff, or do you just well, put it all um, together? I put it all together. I, I you know I think collectively. I mean that span of Utopia albums from Raw to the final one POV is pretty great. But then there's 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 great Todd stuff. Um, I think it's pick and choose sometimes with some Todd stuff. Yeah. But you know, a majority of 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 it, I. I absolutely worship. And then there's other stuff I, I don't like as much as, as, you know, other Todd Alps that I love. But the Utopia stuff, yeah, I mean, through and through, I worship that stuff big time. Yeah, Todd, like, 72 to 78, his solo stuff, like, he was, oh, for me, yeah, that's, the, for that's me, my the Brian favorite. Wilson. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Yeah, the ballad album is my favorite. And yeah. then Hermit. Hermit's great. Something, anything, that's great. Of course. I mean, yeah. and, but also for me, Nas trumps it all anyway, but that's just Oh, me. yeah, I love Nas, too. And you know what's cool is <clears throat> the guy I work with, I, I keep referencing Fernando Perdomo, that, um, two of the members of the Nas reunited and played in Ohio, and Fernando worshipped Todd Rundgren like no one in yeah. Utopia, and he's a monster guitar player, monster guitar player. He, he, uh, he played... All the guitar. He was the he was the Todd. Wow! You can see some of the videos. So, so Suki from the Nas sang, and Tom Mooney from the Nas played drums. He was and in a, Paris a cool too. Connection. My cool my cool Nas connection is I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm a huge Nas fan. Yeah. And I'm gonna reveal something I did, which is really bad, but uh, hopefully the statute of limitations are are. Um, are over with, but back in the early eighties, I went to a college in Philadelphia. I'm not going to tell you which one. I don't want to get in trouble, but, um, <laughs> I remember juice. the library, you know, they would occasionally have records, not occasionally. They had records, old records too. And, you know, this was a time when it was really hard to find the NAS first album. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it, a print, it wasn't, there wasn't a rhino to reissue it or anything. And I would go in every day, you know, for an hour or two just to listen to it as my treat. It was in downtown Philadelphia. And, um, you know, and eventually the guy's like, man, you really like that record. You know, no one takes that record out. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm sorry, Lord, but I, I was, the, the lure of that Nas album was too much. So, you but, took you know, it. I've done, I think it. I've done some other good things. <laughs> To, 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 to come back with that, but yeah. the cool thing is, I, I I befriended well a couple of cool things is um you know in the Power Pop book I do um which you might know about the oh, Play yeah. on Power Pop Hero series I got to interview all the guys in the Nash for that in a really extensive chapter in the first volume and um I uh, I I befriended uh, Stuki when I lived in Philly and in fact. Duke used to come over to my house occasionally to watch Philadelphia Eagles games on Sunday. Hmm. And there was a song we co-wrote at one point, and he sings background vocals on 
a song from my second album called Happy Accidents, a song called Beautiful, he's on that, which is really cool. And um, got to interview, obviously, Todd, and met Todd many times, and such a great guy, and Tom Mooney, the drummer. And I really hit it off with Carson Van Austin, the oh. bass player. We went out to lunch a couple times in Encino, and it's such a tragedy that he passed away. Yeah. Sweetheart of a guy, but yeah. And an interesting Denaz, story because he became like a Disney artist, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, very, very acclaimed Disney artist. He was inducted into the Disney Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. And thankfully, this all went down about a year or two before he passed away, so he was able to enjoy that recognition. Yeah. It's, I think I, there's a documentary on him that I watched not that long ago. Really good. Really? I would love to see on that. Carson? I got I to double check that, but I've heard that before, and I just watched something about. Um, some of the musicians in the Disney Hall of Fame. I think he was a part of it. I, oh, wow. I would love to check oh, yeah. that out. Um, yeah. For all the great stuff that Todd Rundgren has done, he ruined Next Position, please. That's all. I'm he ruined say. a lot of things, but oh, we don't want to go what? there. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. We're, 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 uh, I'm going to completely disagree because I'm a huge Cheap Trick fan. You know, I, I worked on a, a Cheap Trick book. Mike Hayes, my favorite book ever. Writer. Is it really? Yes. Mike? Well, Mike, you know, I have to give Mike praise. Mike Hayes, uh, you know, way, way, certainly way more credit than me involved. I came, in, you know, much farther along the process, and I, you know, believed in the book and put it out for my own publishing entity. Yeah. But, you know, Mike, Mike Hayes is a man. But, and I'm a huge Cheap Trick fan. I've been lucky enough to do liner notes for a bunch of mm-hmm. the CDs. Green Police all shook up. Um, the Budokan live box set. I've I, I got to do liner notes for a, a couple of the vinyl releases that have come out, including the recent one, like the, the whiskey one, you know, got to, wow. uh, uh, got to get you. Uh, but but um, Next Position, Please, is actually one of my favorite Cheap Trick albums. I think it has some of their best yes. Italy songwriting. And, you know, I love the Todd sound, so I, I really, I really love the sound of that record. And I know that some people criticize it being light and, you know, maybe the guitar sound isn't what they expected, but, but, you know, they, they delivered a record that was completely over the top guitar wise with, you know, one-on-one. So yeah. it's a good con. And I love that album too. It's a good contrast, but next position, please. It's incredible. I love the title track. I love why, oh, why, oh, why. It's brilliant. I don't love here anymore. Um, there's so many songs on that. Um, that are just absolutely spectacular. It's funny because... So we'll disagree. Well, no, I, I love that album too. And it's mostly the guitar sound. And I know at that time, Rick was using his Rockman, you know, the Tom the Schultz Rockman. Rock he used it live starting around then too. And I just, I hated that sound. It's not Todd's fault that yeah, the record I label maybe wanted... maybe that's what you're... Yeah, that's, that's, that's my main maybe thing. Maybe that's your, what you're hearing. But my God, to me... To me, the quality of song, and Robin really stepped to the table with I Can't Take It on yep. that record. Um, you know, it was really amazing. On one of the Kiss cruises, uh, Robin Zander was on there. It was incredible. He, was, he did a, a solo show, three solo acoustic shows with his son, and they were different each time. And he did, he did some songs from Next Position, Please, that you're never going to hear him do. He did yeah. Why, oh, why, oh, why. I think he did... I don't, I don't love here anymore. I'm pretty sure, um, but yeah, that album, that album is one of my favorite Cheap Trick albums. I'm, I'm pulling it out now to see if I'm missing any, any it, jewels. It, I, I would say that Todd was the only borderline. One, yeah, borderline. But yeah. I think Todd 
truly captured Bunny's drum sound more than anyone else ever has, like, especially at the end on Invaders of the Heart. I mean, the drums sound amazing. It sounds like you're in the room. Yeah. They had a great time with Todd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the record sadly wasn't a hit, but I don't think anything Cheap Trick was doing during that period would have been a hit. They were just out of, they were out of favor, and they were writing and recording really great albums. I think All Shook Up is a really great record. One-on-One's really great. They're Next all great. Edition, please. I even like you know, the doctor. Some of the doctor, you know what? Doctor, I think the doctor, about half of the doctor is good. I think it's the absolutely terrible, tinny production that hurts. You know, when you listen to it, it, it actually, it actually hurts me to listen to that album with, with that type of tinny, really tinny production. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that album remixed, but. Yeah. There's some good songs on it. I mean, it's up to you. Take me to the top. Kiss me red. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's some songs on there that are not good, but I would say the cheap trick song, not that you're asking, but, I but will. is the nadir <laughs> of anything they ever did is on Woke Up with a Monster. It's called Ride the Pony. I think yeah. that's the worst. D- does it, I agree with you 100. And wasn't that a leftover from his solo from Robin's solo album? It sure sounds like it. Like. I don't know, but that's a song that should have remained no, I know. in the cupboard. Yeah, that's a horrible song. Boy, I actually I, I never heard it. That, I worship that band, you know, almost as I much as... Yeah. I didn't mean it that I, way. I, I, I haven't listened to it since I heard it the first time on the day it came out. But yes, Cheap Trick. But you know what? That's funny because Rick's another one like you that writes as a fan. Like he'll throw in yard bird, bird licks at the end of songs like on Houses Rockin', I think he does that. Um, oh, yeah, the move. I mean, listen to yes. the start of Downed, which is, you know, an ELO yeah, low song. Track, yeah. You listen to, how about listen to I'll, I'll Be With You Tonight. The verse of that is... Trapped in Ice. Um, I think it's... Uh, the, no, the verse of that is... I think it's Forget All About It. Wait. Um, or it's Under the Ice. No, Un- yeah, it's yeah. Under the Ice by Naz. Under the Ice. Yeah. yeah. It's one of, it was one of the two. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, he pays tribute... You know, to his heroes, obviously, Brontosaurus and, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff he does. But, boy, I just think he's one of the greatest assimilators and such a great songwriter. Yes. You know, I wish he r- would write a bit more. And I've asked him about this, too. I love when Rick would write these really weird lyrics about really weird things. I kind of miss that aspect, the zaniness. Well, their their biggest song, writing. their biggest song ever, "I Want You to Want Me," is really like a stalker. It's actually a, a horrifying song. If you, you know what I mean, <laughs> if you take it from that. Oh, I like it. No, no, <laughs> I I'm, like. I love, I love the studio. song. Don't get me wrong, but like when you when you play a cheap trick song, say you try to play along with Hot Love, the stuff he the way he wrote it, like you could tell he was putting little things in there, or even in "I Want You to Want Me," just to be like for the people that play, like, oh, look what he did there. You know what I mean, like. He does these little right. things in his writing, which and his bridges are the best other than Townsend. So, yeah, he's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say my favorite Cheap Trick song is um, is probably the most Beatley Cheap Trick song, and has the greatest. For, again, this is just my opinion, but it has the greatest guitar solo of any Cheap Trick song too. It's one that Rick really. Mm-hmm. delivered it's almost like when i go back to paul stanley hold me touch me solo it's just such a perfect melodic solo and it's world's greatest lover that's my favorite cheap trick song and the best rick nielsen solo yeah that 
That album, to me, I wish there was like two more songs, maybe Machines Make Money, which I know they recorded for it, but All Shook Up, yeah, to me, that, yeah. that album. From yeah, the, I, saw from that tour, I saw that tour uh, back in the day from like second row at the Spectrum in Philly. It was, it was off the hook. With UFO? With UFO opening, yep. yeah. Let me ask you this then. Yeah. What was the first concert you ever went to, Ken? Yeah, first concert was David Bowie, March of 76, Station to Station, to station Tour at Spectrum in Philly. It was incredible. Two weeks later, it was the tail end of the Kiss Alive Tour at Civic Center nice. in Philly. So March 1976 was a pretty good month. Yeah. And then the end of 76, my mother, uh, uh, she's, uh, you know, it's another story, but she was the first woman boxing judge, professional boxing judge. So... She wow. knew some people at Spectrum, and I begged her, begged her, begged her, because Kiss was playing there December of 76, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet mm. Band opened. And I begged her, please find a way for me to meet Kiss. And she spoke to a contact at Spectrum. They said, yeah, just drop them off in the afternoon, and we'll do what we can to bring them backstage. So Jeez. my mom How drove awesome. me to the subway. Legend. I took the subway downtown. And this guy brought me back. I waited in the car door. And all of a sudden, I had a poster that I took off the wall from, from junior high that someone drew of Kiss. I still have it. Um, and, uh, and met the guys then. They were all really nice. Um, I didn't meet Ace then. He was the one I didn't meet. And then I got to watch them do sound check without makeup. I met Bill Coin there. Ken Sharp, this and is amazing. You got to see <laughs> right. Kiss rehearse without makeup back in those days. Yeah, and they were actually, and they actually were doing a a version of they were doing an electric version of Beth. They were trying out an electric. Oh version. my god, are you That's serious? I'm not bullshitting. Rad. I mean, listen. I can make up all this stuff. I'm not sounds, making no, it up. No, I, I've read your books. I know you're not making it up, but that's just and, and uh, that's an and amazing story. L- later, I befriended Carol Kay, who mm-hmm. um, actually was going out with Paul Stanley at one point, but she worked for the Kiss PR agency, so she would she would invite me to come up to visit. And you know, being such a diehard Kiss fan, you know, I think I was 12 or 13. You know, I just did whatever I could. It was like this epic journey. You know what I mean? I had to ride my bike from a suburb to the train station, take the train down to Philadelphia, walk to Trailways bus terminal, take a bus, 42nd Street, when 42nd Street wasn't the gentrification of Disney like it is now in New York, you know, walking all the way across 42nd Street to Madison Avenue, making a left. And going up into like the the high 50th, you know, like I don't know if it was 54th, 55th, 6th. And the first time I was there, she called Paul. He came in, and I got to meet and and, and really talk with Paul. And I had a picture, you know, kind of picture for me, and I was showing him all these photos I had of Kiss uh, at the when they were doing their press launch in '74. And then the second time I went up, uh, Gene was there. I, and I met Gene, and I remember he was eating, you know, you know those little miniature Milky Ways? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, really yeah. small, you know, you can get a bunch of them. He was eating that, size. and he's like, here, you want this? And One it was half eaten, and I, I saved it for so many years. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> and he signed something, and I, sh- I showed him um, how I could do the Kiss autographs and stuff like that. And he told him I played guitar, and I have an autograph on the back of a photo where he said, Ken, you know, Good luck playing, you know. Good luck keep on playing guitar or something like that. So, they they were really great, and um, 
you know, it was like a badge of honor to go back to junior high or high school and kind of not rub it in the faces of the people. But, you know, where I went to school, people loved the Grateful Dead and things like that. So I kind of was always being called a freak and, you know, kissed freak. And, and my nose was always being rubbed into, you know, being rubbed the wrong way for loving kiss. So for me to be able to go to school and say, I just came back from New York and I met Paul Stanley. Here's the autograph. Or, you know, I met, I just met Kiss at the Spectrum. Again, none of it was in terms of bragging, but it was more in terms of like, you know what? You know, I tried, you know, the things I love, I, I love with a deep passion and I'll do anything to kind of get close to the source, you know? Yeah, you're like, and, and also you know, suck on that. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, to think years later, I would, I would have be so blessed to work on you know, things with KISS, whether it's, you know, working on tour books or doing the two books, Behind the Mask and Nothing to Lose. And I did the book that came with Gene's box set. Um, I, I put together that whole book for that, you know, that box set that, yeah. box set that he did. And um, and then I also did the book, um, the, the fanzine book, too, for them, too. Um, Amazing. It's funny. Well, be- so, yeah. So they, it's yeah. funny that you tell your... your- the destroyer tour story and, and you got to do all of that stuff. The closest I came on that tour, cause I did see that tour as well is my neighbor's, my neighbor's daughter slept with Steve Cooper from artful Dodger after the show. That's all I got. Ken, oh like <laughs> you're, you're hanging out with kiss and I, and my and neighbor's daughter. Yeah. Steve Cooper. And by the, the way, mustache. I love artful Dodger. I wish I got to see artful oh. Dodger perform. They were great. They, they, they were great. to me, they, they, to me, they were a mixture of, the raspberries meet the stones and the faces. Yeah, know? they were great. Really great. They, they uh, it's funny because I know Steve Cooper actually. He's <laughs> a really good guy. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure I interviewed Steve and Gary Harawig, and, and um, and um, I, I interviewed at least two or three of the guys from Artful Dodger for the Nothing to Lose book to talk a bit yes, about yes. the experience of of working with them. But yeah, I love Artful Dodger. Wow, that's funny, Steve Cooper. Yeah, so they, they had a song. I don't want to get him in trouble. I mean, it was like 50 years ago, but um, so they had a song, Scream. I was just thinking, like, Scream to me is a perfect song, like Cherry Baby by Stars and that. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you have, like, because you write similar things. Like, you write songs that to people would be like, that's a perfect song. You just nailed it. What, outside of your own music, what songs would you say were perfect songs like for me it's it's cold outside by the choir from cleveland that's a perfect song that's the best song ever written oh wow that's cool well i mean there's so many perfect songs you know i mean it's like you know i i should have known better by the beatles you know Mm -hmm. um don't you worry about a thing stevie wonder um uh uh let's see Um, never gonna lose you new england perfect song that's a great one i mean um there's so many I'm, i'm just gonna look at my record collection i mean Treat Me Nice, Elvis, yeah, April Come, She Will, Simon and Garfunkel, Tonight, The Raspberries, nice. Tin Soldier, Yes. you know, um, Small Faces, My God, The Who, I mean, where do you, you know, Kids Are All Right, you know what I mean? Where, you know. Yeah, the, the early, like, the Slade, early Who has some stuff. Slade, their whole collection Slade is perfect. <laughs> yeah, no one yeah, has more Slade, perfect songs than Slade. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, and, you know, then there'll be things like Billy Joel. They'll be like all for Lena. You know what I mean? Or Lou Graham, Midnight Blue. You yeah. know what I mean? Foreigner. So many. But, you know, so many. but, but when, it comes to, when it comes to like that, like that power pop type stuff, like the Archies and, you know, 
I mean, last time yeah, the I mean, Melody was Hill, Melody Hill by the Archies. Yeah, you know what I mean. There, in terms of power pop, Cheap Trick, Tonight Is You. Yes. Um, Raspberries Tonight or Ecstasy. I mean, any pretty much any Raspberry yeah. song. The the you know the the knack. Um, God, what one would I pick? Maybe Let Me Out. The first I mean, two knack so many... albums are so amazing. It's so great. Well, no, I love Round Trip. Yeah, Round Trip, the third one's great, too. That whole I Africa mean, thing's so a little much... odd. I mean, I, you know, it, it, we, could go, we could go down so many lists. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, King Kong by the King. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's so many great songs, yeah. you know? Uh, Buddy Holly, um, uh, Will All Right. I mean, there's so many songs I, yeah. I worship. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. A bad con- I'll give you like you know, free fire and water. All right now, that may be one of the greatest songs ever written. All right now, um, everything's perfect about that song. Yeah. Um, and it, and the it's monkeys. A- here, here, here you go. Here, here's one that I think is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's as good as the Beatles song, and it's Corpus song by the Monkeys. Yes. And you know what else around that time period? Come on in. The Peter Tork song is a perfect song. Yeah, Peter's good. I never really thought he had a good voice. I never really liked his voice too much. But yeah, but but you know the baby. The I mean the babies. You know, back on my feet again. Yes. Um, I mean, yes. there's so many great. I mean, I could just keep, I could just go through my record collection. Elevator by the by the Rollers. You know what I mean? There's so many great. L- let me. So many great songs. You, Marshall Crenshaw, his whole first album. I mean, yeah. Geez. You 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 mentioned the babies. Like, how do you get John Waite to sing back up on your track? Well, I've I've known him for a long time. I've known him since the early eighties. Okay. Um, One of the best yeah, singers so, ever. Yeah, to me, it's to me. You have two the two greatest singers left in rock and roll that can sing at the top of their at at the top of their ability is Paul Rogers and John Wade. You're one hundred percent correct. Followed by Robin Zander. So, um, you know, and I've done things for John. You know, I've helped him out with different things, you know, with some PR and things like that. And he's a great guy. And uh, and I'm not always asking people. You know, I'm a huge Rick Springfield fan. And he's been so kind to, uh, you know, to, he's played on, you know, played on one of my records. And That's there could amazing. be a surprise coming up. Could oh, be a nice. surprise coming nice, up nice, for a nice, future nice. one, too. Ooh. I like yeah. that. And by the way, he, uh, here's a song by Rick is the love is all right tonight. That's perfect. Um, but, uh, but yes, for John, you know, um, that was absolutely, you know, it, it was, it was, it was surreal. You know, Fernando and I went to meet him at a studio in the Valley and, uh, he, and, and to be honest, I'm going to tell you, you know, something that, that I haven't announced yet. I'm not going to announce, but he's on a, He's on another song too. Okay. Um, that'll be on an upcoming album. But it's ironic, the song Mr. Popularity, that is the one where he sings background and, and does that epic scream at yes, the end. Yes, he does. so incredible. Is, I kind of heard that in my head. Of like I heard John Waite singing on that song, and it was just incredible for us to be in the studio and watch him do that. I mean, I was literally... I mean, you, I had to wear, I wear a mask, but if my mask could have burned a hole <laughs> through... If my smile could have burned a hole through that mask due to the happiness, it would have. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and when he did that epic scream at the end, which sounded like something, the best stuff you would do with the babies, I mean, I was, I was about to fall out of my chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 
so I don't take any of the stuff for granted. I mean, the, 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 the thing I, the way I look at it is none of these people would have done this if they didn't like the song. Like I'm a mm-hmm. huge Hall and Oates fan. I've known John Oates for a long time. I've worked on a bunch of their CDs. I've put together the, box, the, the book for their box set, the track-by-track annotations, which is really expensive. And I had this really great Billy, Billy uh, soul song, and I reached out to John. He'd heard my music before and had sent me an incredible email. I didn't know you were the king of power pop, which, again, I'm not saying I am or anything <laughs> close, but he was just being nice. But, uh, but I know he was genuine, and he was talking about how he and his wife were driving from some area in Colorado and they listened to the record and said, spot on, you know, George Martin would be proud of the production. Oh, wow. I think the record he listened to was New Morning, actually. That okay. was the one. Yeah. And um, so when I was doing the Beauty in the Backseat record, which is a much more up record, and I had this really cool Philly soul song, I said, who would be the ultimate, you know, the ultimate person for me to sing on this would be John. Because I've always been, I love Daryl, and Daryl's hugely talented, but I've always been a John guy, to be honest. Yeah. I've always felt he's been underrated in, in the great songs that he's written. I mean, my God, if you want to talk about perfect songs, there's so many perfect songs I could tell you about them. I, I, I will give you one, and this to me is one of my favorite songs of all time, and it sounds like a Todd Rundgren song. It's called Wait For Me, mm-hmm. um, if you're familiar with oh, yeah. that. but. Anyhow, so I sent I sent it to John, and actually he sang on two tracks too, which the other track I'm going to put on an, uh, a future album too. But my God, to hear that back and to hear him singing on one of my songs, I don't do it in, in a pounding my chest to say, "Hey, look at me, look how great I am." It's the, just the fact that he did that, he liked it enough to do it. You know, the the, the sense of pride is the ultimate reward for me as opposed yeah. to, you know, going around and, you know, obviously I, I want to tell people about it because it's exciting, but, um, you know, whether it's John Wade or Rick Springfield or John Oates, I've been really blessed to have had some of my heroes, you know, perform on my records. And I, it's something I don't take lightly. You know what I mean? It's something yeah. where I have boatloads of gratitude for yeah, that's super awesome. That's got to feel great, you know, getting to collaborate with people. Yeah. Idolize. Absolutely. Oh, my God. You know, I can't find the John Waite, <laughs> I can't find the John Waite album Ignition on any online streaming service. I know we can go on, like, why streaming services suck, but... Um, well, that's the best John Waite album. That's would change? Favorite. And I didn't yeah. know he wasn't the original writer. When I really di- dove deep into that, I realized Holly Knight... Holly uh, Knight wrote that exactly. in, in, in From you Spider? Know Things background. You, you know background? background? No, I don't. Patty Smythe from Scandal is Ooh. doing all the background. So when you hear oh. change, change, that's yeah. Patty Smythe Scandal. And those those backgrounds are an important part of the song. Like I've, I would yeah. love to cover that song one day, but that's one of those like you know fantasy lists in my head. But that's, that's good. That's you have good taste. I'd like to hear some more of your fantasies. Well, yeah, I, well Damien's up. That's oh, a whole Damien other podcast, well, baby. <laughs> one time Tim told me, you should cover Chip Away the Stone by Aerosmith. I'm like, that's a great idea. It was on those kind of lists of like, oh, you know, of course. And then I, I told the... Mark Redis uh, co- either wrote that or co-wrote that, right? Uh, I'm a big Aerosmith fan. Actually. Oh, it's it's my favorite. Uh, what, Richie Supa wrote yeah, that Richie song? Yeah, Richie Supa wrote that song. But yeah, oh, Aerosmith... Richie Supa yeah. wrote that. Okay, yeah. And I didn't right. realize how much Richie Supa has written for Richie. Aerosmith. He wrote Lightning Strikes, too. Right, it's just the only good song on that album. No, that album's great. Um, We're going to fight right now in front of you, Ken. I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> at, I, was at, I was at one of the infamous 
and this is not in a good way, Aerosmith shows. Oh, which Philly. one? I was at the one, not the one where it was the cherry bomb. It was the one where Steven Tyler got hit with the bottle and the concert got canceled Ooh. after oh. five songs. What year was that? Was, I'm sorry was, I threw that. It was the live bootleg <laughs> tour. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Tim. It was 78, and, and I, I remember being so excited. I went myself, and there was a great opening act. It was Golden Earring. They were Golden fantastic. Earring, the I best. remember the drummer did a backflip during his solo. He just did a backflip. It was amazing. Oh, Jesus. And then Aerosmith came on, and I think the second song they did is one of my favorite Aerosmith songs was SOS. Oh, yeah. My favorite Aerosmith album is Get, Get Your Wings. Yeah. And Seasons of Wither is my ultimate Aerosmith song. Still gives so me chills we're, to We're just day. clarifying. You went yourself there, right? <laughs> yeah, I went myself but, to the show. Okay. And, you know, so they're doing it. And in the middle of the song, Sights for Sore Eyes, yeah. they draw the line. Yeah. All of a sudden, they stopped left the stage we're like what the, what the heck's going on and then i think joey kramer came out and started cursing at the audience there's a really bad quality audio of that exists on youtube if you want to search it out and yeah. what happened was supposedly someone from the second some some drunk person from the second level threw a bottle and it hit the monitor and the pieces of glass wedged into steven's face and he was oh, bleeding shit. oh Jeez. shit yeah, so unfortunately, so, but I can, I can say I saw Aerosmith once in the 70s. It wasn't for a long period of yeah, time, right. 20 minutes, but well, I, I did see them. I was at that infamous yeah. uh, World Series of Rock in Cleveland where they broke up afterwards. With the Nuge and... Oh, ACDC. wow, my friend was there, too. Yeah. Wow, nice. So it was an ACDC. It was Scorpion's first U.S. show. Yeah. Ted Nugent, Thin Lizzy, Journey was there. Everyone, they, great they, they destroyed Aerosmith. Every time I would go see Aerosmith, oh, the opener. I'm jealous you got to see two bands I would have loved. I've seen ACDC first time was back in black, but I would have much preferred to see them on the highway to hell. Of course. Yeah. My yeah. Favorite. That's my favorite album. And I never got to see Thin Lizzy, and I love Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy or Grass. I saw them open yeah. for Queen once, too. They didn't blow away Queen because Queen was Yeah, that's much the other band. Yeah. And, and here, I'm going to give you another perfect song. <laughs> Play the Game by Queen. Yeah, that is a perfect song. They have quite a few perfect songs, actually. Oh, my God. Just One about of my any, favorites. Anything John Deacon wrote, perfect. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. Need Your Lovin' Tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, my Best Friend is so, a perfect song. Millionaire Waltz is a bizarre uh, song, but perfect beyond. to me. Yeah. Um, let's get back to... My voice is cracking. <laughs> Tim's going yeah. through puberty. While well, we're talking about the shows I saw when I was a little kid. <laughs> and there it is. Second puberty. It's a time machine. So, so when I listen to Miniatures, Ken, right? I, I, and it's, it's a newer album, so it's, it's been a few times. I listen to it as one piece of music. Is, I mean, do you prefer how people, is there a preferred way for you? Like, do you want them to pay attention to each song or, or just, because it, it's compact enough to just be one great piece of music. It's, a, it's almost like a story. Yeah, well, you know, in a way it is. It's kind of like with the cover. You know, I really try to work hard on landing on a concept and something that, to me, you know, kind of evokes what the record is like. And to me, you're going to find this very strange, or maybe not, but I use um, font the Island of Misfit Toys. I'm a big fan of the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special from 64. Oh, I know it. Which is great. Keelan's um, yeah. the guy that saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm Mr. Heat Miser. Okay, that's, that's the wrong funny. one. But, I know, um, it's all the same. <laughs> but I, I, Sorry, Ken. Some of the songs from the record, there's a song called World of Wonder that I really like. Yes. It's a very Baroque song with harpsichord and a lot of stuff. 
a lot of stuff going on. To me, it almost sounded like it could have been a song on that, that TV special. So uh, it, it just felt, you know, that was um, the kind of vibe. And so once I hit on that, it, I really felt it uh, evoke, you know, the, the playfulness, but also the sense of wonder and whimsy uh, and magic that I was trying to create with this very intimate DIY, warts and all type of record. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, people may be scared when I say 32 songs and thinking, my God, when am I sitting there for two hours, you know, but it's, it's actually only 40 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are songs that are, there's one or two that are almost two minutes, but most of them are in the one minute, one minute plus, And there's, there's definitely a few that are under one minute. And it wasn't a, a case of being lazy and not wanting to write a full song. It was, these are song miniatures where, where everything that I wanted to say, I said, you yeah. know, and whether it's an, a minute, 15 seconds or 55 seconds or a minute, 15, 58, um, that doesn't really matter. I mean, I certainly wanted to keep, I wanted to, to have short songs for the record, but yeah, I think that, I think you could listen in both ways, but I think, yeah, I think you're, you're hitting on something where if you, if you're willing to, uh, take a listen to the record, it really transports you to kind of a, its own miniature world, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? World of whimsy, yeah. world of one. It, it, it's a, it's an album. You're a fascinating man, but, and this is an album to me that the small faces should have made. Todd probably wishes he would have made. And Davey, uh, I don't think any of these people wish they would have uh, made these people God. I'm telling you, and, and this should have been what Davey and, and Mickey did after changes, an album like this. It's, it's just, it's a brilliant. Well, that would have been. Yeah, it's a brilliant concept, and it's, it's perfectly played off, and the songs are great, and I can't, I cannot, um, endorse this album enough it's i you, agree and go ahead Keelan, I'm sorry i'm only good at cutting you off sorry. yeah you're, pr you're a pro <laughs> um i wanted to just Please chime speak in at my funeral <laughs> I, yes i just wanted to chime in about uh what i thought when i listened to your music too i got a lot of like jellyfish eric dover uh sounds coming out of that which was really wow, cool to hear compliment there's, there's not a lot of that they're, they're incredible you know and and the band that eric has with with um uh with Roger Manning and Tim Smith, you know, three of the members of the latter day version of Jellyfish yes. called the Licorice Quartet. Oh yes. They released two EPs that are just just astonishing. You know what I mean? I mean, I I I I I would love to, you know, write songs on that level and if it's certainly if it's bringing that comparison, I I think a lot of it is we we all love a lot of the same things, you know yeah. what I mean? But I certainly love Jellyfish and I interviewed them back in back in the day. In fact, the first time I interviewed them, they were opening for the Go Go's at the Tower in Philly, and we really, really felt we hit it off. So much so, we we're talking about Bubblegum Records that we love. And during the show, they dedicated the song "Sugar and Spice." They did a cover of an Archie song to me. <laughs> oh wow! I swear to God, cool. yeah. I, I wish a tape existed. I'm not making it up. And then I saw them once on the Spilt Milk tour, which is the album I, I love the most by Jellyfish of the two they did. And it was so incredible that I was talking to my friend and saying, this can't be all live. They can't be pulling off all those vocals, right. but they were. So, wow. Have you, and, and, you yeah, know, the, awesome. other band, mm -hmm. the other band I really love, and they only put out one 
record is the band that followed in the wake of Jellyfish called Imperial Drag. Yes, are you a boy or a girl? Kind of, yeah, they were kind of the glam rock version of Jellyfish, and I think that record is great, and they have a lot of demos they did that didn't make any of the records that I love as much as Jellyfish songs. I love Imperial Drag more than Jellyfish, honestly. I love Red Cross well, better than great. all of them. And, and That's I, true. To be honest, my the final version of my Power Pop book, the play on Power Pop Hero series, of Jellyfish is be on the cover. Oh, perfect! Of, of that one, and have a really extensive interview with those guys. And Andy Sturmer wrote the uh, foreword, which is really amazing. Um, but I'm I'm considering adding uh, chapters about inter- in extensive interviews with certainly with Imperial Drag, and then maybe a, a shorter one with Licorice Quartet. Yeah. Um, just because obviously they haven't done as much, but again, you know, you could say the same about Imperial Drag, but right, uh, with the one album. But but I love, I love, love, love Jellyfish and all the off. Did you listen to the new Licorice Quartet? Uh, was it, I don't know if it was an album or just a single that came out. Uh, the Dream That Took Me Over. They put a video oh, to yeah, it too. I mean, it's good. It's, I mean, the, it's off the chart. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely stunning, and and, and it's inspirational and and i always feel almost somewhat deflated saying oh my god the writing the production everything is just so beyond that it's something that i aspire to you know it's something that you know i aspire to that level do you think and that I, I i hope i can get there I, well you're you are there i mean the songs like i said your yours are just as good as theirs and i wonder you and people like eric dover would you guys I'm surprised like Eric doesn't try to sell those songs to artists that are out there in the you know world right now, younger artists. Like he just releases them as his own songs. Uh, I'm just surprised, you know. It's not. It should be bigger yeah, than. Yeah, I what don't it is. know. I mean, but, but that guy is insanely talented. He's an absolutely spectacular singer, incredible guitar player, incredible songwriter. I mean, but that's all the guys. That's Tim Smith. That's certainly Roger Manning. And, you know, a really cool thing I can tell you is um, I did a one of my, again, another big favorite song of mine of all time is the song Girl by Davy Jones. You okay. Know, song oh, yeah. Famous in the Brady Bunch. And I covered that, actually. Um, and there was going to be a Davy Jones, big Davy Jones tribute uh, concert <clears throat> that sadly just fell apart. And I was going to perform that song, actually. Oh, wow. Um, but that was a song where I reached out to Roger Manning from Jellyfish because I thought he'd be the perfect person to play on it. And it was, it was a single that I gave all the proceeds to Davy Jones, a charity that he had for his horses, Equine Horses. It was an Equine Foundation. So it was a charity. It was a record where, where you know, anything I made from it, I, I sent to the charity. Wow. And Roger, being the mensch that he is, did yes and played the piano on oh, amazing. on my version of Girl. So that's incredible. It, for it's, me. it's funny, like like bands like, you know, those guys and, and Red Cross. Like when Red Cross put out Third Eye, which I think is a perfect album, and they had Atlantic behind it, and there really wasn't any kind of movement in music yet that anything could have taken hold. And we saw that Nirvana and that kind of stuff took hold shortly afterward. Like I really thought that was the album and that was the time. You know what I mean? They were great. Yeah, yeah like great. Annie's gone and all that. But when that didn't catch, I'm like, it's just sad because people like who write like you do or Roger Manning, these people, yeah, there there are cultist fan bases, but it should be so massive because it's just music well, that makes I w- you feel I good. Well, lo- I, would, I would love that. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm tired of I'm I'm tired of like no one caring. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I know. I no. mean, I, I, the, the thing that's tough is you know I'm I'm trying to you know I've been sending out pitches you know because I have to do it all when you're the you know when you can't really afford to have publicists and things like that. So I'm having to pitch to people and pitch and I sent out so much stuff just the other day and you don't hear from anyone. No one even responds and it's kind of like my God, if you just gave it a chance, actually I think it's really good and. It's, I think it's a really unique concept, which makes it a little different, too. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's such a tough landscape out there for indie, indie artists and yeah. certainly even for established artists. But, yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm not saying I deserve anything, but, but it would be great to be at least uh, given a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, Ken, like I said, you're a fascinating human being. As someone that grew up at the same time and with the same influence as you, like what you do for this type of music, I, I can only say thank you. I mean, from your writing to your well, songwriting. I, I appreciate appreciate people like you that 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 find some value in it. Uh, it's fantastic. And I, you know, we'll do our best to spread it around. And I look forward to your next books and uh, do a book on New England. Um, all right. Yeah, you know that would be great. But again, you know, I mean, my, even the power pop books I do don't sell much. You know, I, I, I think know. that they're would great be too. Real tough. Those are. But great. I love New England, and you know, I saw them open for Kiss at the Garden '79 on the, the first album tour, and they ended with "Don't Ever Want Illusion." And I remember John Fannin went to the tip of the stage, you know, the white stage. I think there was, mm-hmm. you know, right to the right to the the tip of it, um, or wherever. It was just you know. I guess the, the the outer edges of the stage and was just playing that absolutely spectacular spot on solo. Oh, I mean, yeah. talk about an underrated artist and, and band and guitar player. My God. Yeah. And he only did <laughs> so that. Good. I went to the reunion shows, you know, I don't know if you guys knew, but they played, I was there. They played now. Tw- were you here? Were you I was, at the I, shows? I was at the first, yeah. First one. I was there too. Hmm. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, it was up in Upland. Yeah, it's Grand crazy. Oak Live. Couldn't couldn't believe. Well, that that's good. You're a man with great taste. We both share the same taste. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for your time today. It, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Have a great day, guys. And right. Stay safe. Great right. meeting you. Thanks, yeah, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Fantastic. You too, guys. Okay. Take care, man. Bye.